and in that love that God shows us. We welcome you here to Watershed, you guys that are here in person and the people that are watching via the live stream. Go ahead and stand up. Uh, find someone you haven't met before. Make sure they feel welcome here at Watershed.
We're going to continue worshiping through song. We invite you to join us as we sing.
If the mountains were where you hide, oh, how far I'd scale the valleys if you graced the other side. Oh, how long have I chased rivers from the seas to where they rise against the rush of grace descending to the source of its supply in the highlands and the heartache you're neither more or less inclined i would search and stop at nothing you're just not that hard to find i'll praise you on the mountain I will praise you on the mountain I will praise you when the mountains in my way you're the summit where my feet are so I will praise you in the valleys all the same no less God within the shadows no Shadows. 
time we'd like to invite all the kids up to preschool age to come on up and meet Miss Lori over there for Children's Church. All right. And as you go, my little friends, may you grow in the grace and in the love of Jesus Christ. And we welcome Pastor Darwin up here to do our prayer for us. morning. It's good to see you all here today, and welcome. Let's, um, let's unite our hearts in prayer. Gracious Father, this is your world, and we gather this morning in this place. There are those that are gathering with us through the live stream. There are those that will be gathering with us later this week through the video. But we gather in this place to worship you, and as we worship you, we pray that you would allow our lives and allow each of us here to just experience a bit of a pause, a pause to reflect on you, a pause from the craziness and the chaos of our lives, a pause from world events that often seem to overwhelm us, a pause that enables us to focus on you and to wrestle with who you are and how you are shaping and molding us as a people to be a light in a dark place. Gracious Father, we thank you that we are found in you, that in Jesus Christ, that we are fully accepted for who we are, that there is nothing that we can do to earn your love any more than what we're already doing. There's nothing that we can do to win your favor, that in Jesus Christ, we are fully loved, we fully have your favor, 
and we are fully accepted and we have nothing to fear. We don't even have to fear rejection, but we fear, but we are welcomed with open arms and love. We thank you that as your people adopted into your family, that you are shaping and molding us through our friends and through our peers, that you are shaping and molding us through your word, and that that shaping and molding is done by the Holy Spirit who deeply loves us and who cares for us, who even at times disciplines us so that we might learn to appreciate more deeply your love and your own care for us. And so, Lord, as your people, as we encourage each other and build each other up, as we strive to follow you faithfully in a broken world, as we encourage each other to follow you faithfully, we pray that your spirit would be around us, would encourage us, would unite us, would help us to be a people who demonstrate the love of Christ, who in difficult situations speak words of grace and of peace and of mercy, a people who listen well, but in listening well are able to respond again with words of grace and mercy and truth of the gospel. And so we thank you for this time together, this time to encourage, this time to build up, this time to be shaped by your people through worship and by your word through the preaching of it and by the singing of songs and by prayer. Bless this service now in Christ's name. Amen. This morning we have a really special opportunity. And I'm not sure that the uniqueness of the opportunity will weigh heavy enough on us, but I hope it does. One of the callings of the church in Ephesians 4 is to equip its people for works of service. And over the last several months, um, Pastor Aaron has been working deeply with Luke Joyce and equipping him in preaching the Word of God. And so, as, a re as um, you all know, experience is the best teacher, right? And it's amazing what you learn by doing things. And so this morning, um, Pastor Aaron um, delivered the message at Celebration, which we're very thankful for and his support for that community. Um, but this morning, Aaron, um, the fruit of Aaron's labor will be evident to us in working with Luke, who has also been working with the other pastors in preparing um, for this morning's message. So this morning, we welcome Luke Joyce to the pulpit. Let's give him a big round of applause to encourage him. Uh, thank you, Darwin. Um, and as you said, Aaron worked with me a lot, so if this all goes south, let's remember who to blame. Um, but when, when Pastor Aaron was installed, Darwin said, don't, Aaron's the kind of guy, don't be surprised if he asks you to preach. And everybody like laughed like it was a joke. Um, and I just sat there nervously because he had already asked me, and now here we are. So today we're going to talk about um, comfort, grace, and peace. So comfort by itself will not bring you peace. It's grace. It's grace alone. And grace by itself is sufficient to bring you peace. Um, I know we just prayed, but let's pray again. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us all together here today in this way. 
Uh, thank you for the, the thinness between heaven and earth. That, that, uh, thank you for being with us always, but thank you especially for your presence in special places, special times like this. Um, give us ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts to understand what you would have for us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I heard God's voice once, and it was during a really uncomfortable time in my life, and it actually coincided with the time that I started coming here to Watershed. Um, We basically had everything uh, that we needed, uh, that America told us that we needed, you know, nice house, good jobs, cars, little family starting, all seemed good. But then I came here, and uh, the reason that we came here was because um, Sam was young, my son, and I was like, oh boy, we got to get our kids to church, because we hadn't gone to church regularly for like, I don't know, at least five years before that. And then when we got to church, and I started listening week after week, I realized church is for big people too, and I desperately needed it, and um, changed my life. This place changed my life. So, um, time went on, and then I found out that Hardwick does a mission trip to Honduras. Um, And I'm glad Dee is here, because if you are hesitant to go on a mission trip, just don't talk to Dee, and you'll be fine. Uh, When she walks towards you, just go the other way, and you'll get out of it. But if you invite her to your house to talk about going on the trip, um, you're going to find yourself in a different country pretty quick. And Norland, too. He's not off the hook either. He was there as well. Um, So we go for this one-week trip to Honduras, and a lot of things happen throughout the week, but that Friday we were touring the school in Gracias where um, Norland and Cheryl's son, Jake, and their daughter-in-law, Rachel, are... um, Hardwick supported missionaries there. And Rachel points up to the mountains and says, Hey, the tallest peak in Honduras is over there. And uh, Sam and Evie weren't there at the time, but you can see them running through that picture. So she just points over to the mountains and says, Hey, the tallest peak in Honduras is over there. I'm like, That's cool. So I look. And it was like, it wasn't the voice of God. Like, I didn't hear an audible voice, but it was the voice of God giving me instant head and heart knowledge that this sentence, I will keep you and your family safe in the mountains of Honduras. Like, it didn't, like, it didn't take any time. Time didn't pass. I just, I knew that sentence. I will keep you and your family safe in the mountains of Honduras which was weird because I wasn't planning on moving my family to Honduras. I wasn't even thinking about it. Maybe I was thinking about it in the back of my mind, but that's God didn't say move to Honduras. He said, I'll keep you safe. And that's what I needed to hear. He knew exactly what I needed to hear. Um, So parts of that experience, we ended up living in Honduras for two years after that, We discerned through a series of events after that. Uh, I got to teach at the school. Stephanie got to uh, volunteer at a clinic that's in the same town that we're still involved with. God had this plan for us. 
Our kids got to learn Spanish with their little friends. It was awesome. Um, it was super, super challenging, though. I would not describe it as comfortable. I would describe it as very uncomfortable. But man, that's the, one of the greatest sources of peace in my life, that time. And it's only God's grace that led us to that. And Paul understands this grace, this inner working between grace and peace and comfort um, in Acts 20, and his actions embody it over and over again. Uh, so let's look at Acts 20. We're going to look at verses 16 to 38. It's taking place during the end of Paul's third missionary journey, his last one, and it's right before he basically is incarcerated for the rest of his life under ever-increasing Roman authority, um, and he knows it. He knows this is what's going to happen because the Holy Spirit has revealed it to him, uh, which is what we're going to read. So he's talking to the church leaders of Ephesus. He is it's taking place in Miletus. So he's trying to get back to Jerusalem for Pentecost. He's hurrying back. So they land in Miletus. He doesn't want to go up to Ephesus. It's, it's the wrong way. So he calls for them to come join him. And the reason that he calls for them is because he cares about them deeply. These are the people that he has spent the most time with out of any group uh, during all his missionary journeys. He spends three years there. So for a guy who's wandering around, not aimlessly, but going many places, he spent the most time in Ephesus. And he has deep, deep relationships there. And I actually, I outlined a whole sermon on relationships, um, but that's not today's sermon. So if you want to talk about that some other time, that would be great. He just can't miss this opportunity to say something to the people that he loves the most. Um, and that's what Aaron spoke on at, at Celebration. This is Paul's last chance to give words to the people that he loves. And at the end, he's telling them that he'll never see them again, at least not in this life. It's kind of like when Zach uh, left here that Sunday, and there were tears everywhere. I was trying um, to hide them, of course, uh, but then I look at Stephanie at the end of it. After Zach, like, he went around and he hugged everybody, of course you're going to cry. And um, Stephanie looked at me and was, like, laughing at me for crying. But she was crying too, so it's fine. But those were good tears, right? Those were um, loving tears. So let's read. Um, this is NLT, but feel free to follow along with the words on the screen or with your Bible or your app in a different version. Um, it's all good. So Acts 20, verse, starting in verse 16. Paul had decided to sail on past Ephesus, for he didn't want to spend any more time in the province of Asia. He was hurrying to get to Jerusalem, if possible, in time for the festival of Pentecost. But when we, so Luke, the author of Acts, is with him during this. So he would have heard this firsthand. Like, Luke's a good historian to begin with, but he would have heard this speech firsthand. Uh, so when we landed at Miletus, he sent a message to the elders of the church at Ephesus, asking them to come and meet him. When they arrived, he declared, You know that from the day I set foot in the province of Asia until now, I have done the Lord's work humbly and with many tears. 
I have endured the trials that came to me from the plots of the Jews. I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear, either publicly or in your homes. I have had one message for Jews and Greeks alike, the necessity of repenting from sin and turning to God and of having faith in our Lord Jesus. And now I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me, except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Just make sure we're on the right slide here. You can go backwards. And now I know that none of you to whom I have preached the kingdom will ever see me again. I declare today that I have been faithful. If anyone suffers eternal death, it's not my fault. For I didn't shrink from declaring all that God wants you to know. So guard yourselves and God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock, his church, purchased with his own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. I know that false teachers like vicious wolves will come in among you after I leave, not sparing the flock. Even some men from your own group will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following. Watch out. Remember the three years I was with you, my constant watch and care over you night and day, and my many tears for you. And now I entrust you to God and the message of his grace that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance with all those he has set apart for himself. I have never coveted anyone's silver or gold or fine clothes. You know that these hands of mine have worked to supply my own needs and even the needs of those who are with me. And I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. When he had finished speaking, he knelt and prayed with them. They all cried as they embraced and kissed him goodbye. They were sad most of all he had said that they would never see him again. Then they escorted him down to the ship. So, there's a lot in there. uh, But for me, I see Paul who is torn. He's torn between staying with his friends in Ephesus between having some worldly comfort there. Even though, if you read the end of chapter 19, Ephesus is kind of a mess, but all the more reason to stay, there's good work that Paul could do. Paul could justify staying in Ephesus and continuing his work there. Um, And he would at least have his friends with him to comfort him. Uh, But yet he chooses to go on even though in verse 23 he tells us that the Holy Spirit has revealed to him in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. So there's clearly something wrong with this guy. He's giving up his comfort, but he's getting something else in exchange. Uh, He has learned through his journeys that it's not about his comfort, it's about God's plan and his peace. And that's what Paul's pursuing. And there's a reason it doesn't make sense to us. This is the same peace that Paul describes in Philippians as the peace that passes understanding, the peace that transcends understanding. It doesn't make sense. Our, our, our human, it's not like we could think harder and get it. 
It's literally our human minds cannot comprehend it. Um, but we can experience it. And Paul has experienced it. And he wants more. Having peace doesn't mean you're not scared. And you don't get peace by avoiding things. Paul knows these things. And he's going for more. Uh, so how does Paul get that peace? Well, in verse 24, that's when he told us that his life is worth nothing to him unless he uses it for finishing the work assigned to him by the Lord Jesus. And that work is the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. That's the only way he's going to find his peace. And his listeners would have understood good news or gospel. Your version might say gospel, same thing. They would have understood that as like a proclamation of a new ruler, new, new power, new administration. And, um, but Paul's talking about something completely different here. The type of good news, the type of gospel, the type of kingdom that he's talking about is not an earthly one, but a godly one. And it's a kingdom established on grace. And the king of this kingdom is God, not an earthly ruler. And the only reason he can proclaim these things is because Jesus did what he did for us. So Paul's peace doesn't come from his pursuit of his own comfort, right? Paul's peace comes from living into this life that the creator of the universe has planned for him since before he created the universe, right? The God who knows him more than anybody knows him, more than he knows himself even, and the God who chooses to love him completely, So, even in the face of jail and suffering, Paul chooses the only path which is going to lead to his peace. Essentially, no earthly comfort whatsoever. Because he knows God's purpose for his life is to preach this good news about the wonderful grace of God. Uh, So, good for Paul, right? We can be really happy for him. But how do we get that in our lives? How do we... Strive for that peace. Well, I think the devil has used um, the allure of pleasure a lot um, to drive our actions. Uh, In Ephesians 2.3, Paul writes to the Ephesians and he says, All of us used to live that way following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. But I think we like to think that we have that one figured out. We like to think that we see through that. We know seeking pleasure, especially um, to excess, uh, that's going to get us in trouble in life. We know that. We're good church-going Christians. Of course we know that. Uh, But I think, uh, so now the devil gets his chance to make his next move, and there's a few ways that he can respond to that, but I think the one that at least gets me is he presents us with the allure of comfort. You can be comfortable in your life. You can get your dosage on Sunday morning, and you can be fine, and that can be good, and you'll be fine, and that's not a good message. Um, I mean, is it wrong to be comfortable? It's not. No. It's, it's, it's okay. But can the pursuit of comfort in our life take the place of our pursuit of Jesus? Very easily. 
very easily without us even knowing it, right? And that comfort is not going to lead us to peace in our lives, right? Only God's grace will. So, um, this is the gospel that's established by, as Paul puts it, the wonderful grace of God. And I want to look at a few of the verses again because the message of the gospel is in here. Let's quick read these four verses. Um, This is Paul. I have had one message for Jews and Greeks alike, the necessity of repenting from sin and turning to God and of having faith in our Lord Jesus. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. So guard yourselves and God's holy people and God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock, his church purchased with his own blood over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. And now I entrust you to God and the message of his grace that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance with all those that he has set apart for himself. So Paul has a nice gospel message for them here and it's all predicated on the recent events of Jesus' life, his persecution, his death, and his resurrection. Now we have grace. Grace is possible because Jesus did that for us. Jesus did that for Paul and for us. And grace is available to us now every day, every moment of every day. But we have to choose to accept that. Um, And I thought a lot about comfort in preparing this message. And the trick is, doesn't God want us to be comforted? I think the answer is yes. Maybe not to be comfortable, but God does seek to comfort us, right? Um, And this is why I really appreciate Aaron's emails, the spiritual practice emails, because we, like, the only way we're going to get better at being Christians, at being spiritual, uh, is by practicing and most of the time, I don't know how to practice. So if I get a nice email on Tuesday, that's a reminder and a how. And um, don't be defeated if it's something where it doesn't click right away because habits take a long time to build, right? And certain things will work better for you than others. The Holy Spirit wants his own relationship with you, so that's going to look different than um, someone else's practice, someone else's relationship. So that's uplifting. So even in your failure, don't worry about it. Try again. Try the same thing. Try a different thing. Either one. See what sticks. Uh, So that was why it was so great that this last week's email was on mourning, the spiritual practice of mourning. Thank you. Super fun. But what did it say in Matthew 5, Sermon on the Mount? Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. God does absolutely seek to comfort us. Uh, But that's different than the way we think about it sometimes. So the way I think about pursuing earthly comfort is, am I pursuing material things? And then in talking to Aaron some more, he pointed out a couple other ways that earthly comfort can be pursued. Uh, Am I thinking that I'll never be the perfect Christian, so I might as well not try? I'm off the hook. That's a form of comfort. It's a form of temporary comfort that won't lead to peace. Um, Am I seeking a sense of control over situations that I can't control? 
that's when I decided to stop talking to Aaron because I don't like it when things hit that close to home. Control, that's, that's my source of comfort. So what makes God's comfort different from our seeking of earthly comfort? Well, I ran across this little passage in my devotional to explain it very well. God has been and is exercising his grace to bring real comfort to our hearts. What is that comfort? It's not that he will make sure that our hopes and dreams are realized, that all our bills are promptly paid, that the people around us like us, or that we escape suffering. His comfort is more foundational and redemptive. Here it is. Despite our sin, you and I have been welcomed into an eternal relationship with the Lord Almighty because Jesus fully met all the requirements of God that we failed to meet. We no longer have to fear God's wrath. We no longer have to measure up in order to achieve his acceptance. We no longer have to hide in guilt or shame. We are God's forever and ever. He will never turn his back on us. He will never angrily throw our sin in our faces. He will never withdraw his presence and his promises, no matter how messed up we continue to be, because our standing with him is not based on our performance, but on the perfect record of his son. Because our standing with him is not based on our performance, but on the perfect record of his son. And that's really good because this is the May 1 devotional, as you will see. I started this in January. It has taken me till August to get to May. So if you struggle with your daily devotions, I am with you. So this is good stuff to talk about, but like, how do we actually implement it in our lives? So I have three thoughts, three reflections. These are not in order of operation or anything like that. These are just things, and and it's probably not comprehensive either. There's going to be other ways. But these are the first three things that came to mind as I was um, thinking about this. So the first step is awareness. Practice awareness. Are the things that I'm thinking and doing, are they pursuing my own comfort or are they pursuing God's life in me? Um, you don't even have to change what you're doing at this point. Just being aware of it is a huge step. And that takes practice, too. That takes um, time and awareness and uh, time to build the habit, that is, right? Because so many times we go through life not even, not even uh, just reacting, not even being aware of why we're doing what we're doing. So if you practice thinking about being aware of why you're doing what you're doing, um, eventually that will help pay off. Uh, And hopefully it is uncomfortable in the process, right? All these things should make you uncomfortable. That's how you know it's working. The second thing I've listed is faith. And if I step in any weird doctrinal stuff here, I would love to talk about it later with you. Because my take on faith is this, that you're not either born with it or not. That's not how it works. It's not like something some people have and some people don't. Uh, I think a lot of people think that. Um, 
And speaking for myself, I once thought that, right? Uh, Further, faith is not an emotion, and it's not a feeling. Now, neither is faith a rejection of emotion or feeling, right? That would be like a Buddhist Eastern teaching. Our faith is big enough to bring our emotions and our feelings along with it and bring our full selves to God in our choice of faith without being dictated by our emotions, right? So, fundamentally, in my mind, faith is a choice. And it's not, unfortunately, it's not a choice you make once and you're done. It's a choice that you have to make every single day, every moment of every day. So, am I choosing to trust in the unchanging promises of God over my changing emotions, circumstances? Will I choose to be faithful today? Will I choose to be faithful right now? And the last thing I've listed is action. Uh, Faith, to me, feels like a belief thing. It can stay in your head, but action has to flow out of true faith. Um, So, borrowing from a couple other early church leaders, James says that faith without works is dead. James is pretty blunt a lot. Uh, Faith without works is not faith at all to him. It's dead. Uh, John says it a little more gently. 1 John 3.18 says, Let us not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. So, we're not going to find real peace in our life by pursuing comfort and living unaware, faithless, inactive lives. Right? We're only going to find peace by allowing ourselves to be rescued by the grace of God. That's it. So by God's grace alone, um, we can be made aware of the sinful influences in our hearts and minds that we're not aware of half the time or more. By his grace alone, we can choose faith through belief in him. And by grace, our actions can be brought into alignment with right relationship with God and right relationship with others. And ultimately, by God's grace, we can experience the kind of peace that doesn't depend one bit on our earthly comforts and the same type of peace that emboldened Paul, emboldens us today to live for the purpose that we were created, the purpose that was planned for us by the creator of the universe before he created the universe. The one who knows us fully and still chooses to love us completely. Um, So I'd like to close by praying over you Paul's words to the Ephesians from Ephesians chapter 3. This was his prayer for them. Uh, So you can bow your heads and close your eyes. You can um, put your palms up in a receiving position. You can sit or stand. You can do none of those things. That's fine too. But um, receive this prayer today. Paul's words to the Ephesians. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. 
May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Hey, we invite you to stand with us as we close with one more song.
thank you. Thank you for letting me be with you today and talk to you about grace and peace and comfort. And may your lives not be so comfortable, but so that you can experience the grace of God and the peace of God in your lives. Um, so receive this blessing. Go this week in the love of God the Father, in the grace of Jesus Christ the Son, and in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace.